Well, this is Father's Day, and we've gathered here to worship our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father just has no comparison to earthly fathers. And yet, the closer we earthly fathers come to Him, the more He and His image is shown in us. You know, Jesus uh, uh, told us in Matthew uh, that, uh, well, he, he says this, talking about fathers. He says, Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And then later on in his ministry, he says almost the same thing again. And instead of saying good gifts, he says that he will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And one of the things that becomes very clear in that is that Jesus thinks that receiving the Holy Spirit from God is a good thing. Some people are get antsy about that. It's a good thing. Jesus has said so. And the reason why is because what more could God give than himself? You see, when he gave us the Holy Spirit... He shared himself with each one of us. And he is our heavenly father in a way that uh, is just incomprehensible, really. I made a list of things just thinking about uh, things that uh, make uh, for, that I have discovered about my heavenly father myself. And the first one is that he is available. He's available. You know, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I'll love you and my father will love you. And we will come and make our abode, our dwelling place in you. He is so close. He is available. And, uh, you know, this is something that's so important to me because there was a time in my life when I didn't even know if there was a God and I cried out just wanting to know, God, if you're real, let me know. He let me know. He's available. And it's not just me that he's done that to. Yang Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world in South Korea. Can you imagine a church with a million members? Wow. When they stand up to sing the doxology, I bet the ground shakes. They get together in house groups. They don't all get together in one place at one time, but it's just amazing. But he wasn't always a Christian. There was a time when he was deathly ill and he was afraid of dying. And he wound up crying out to every God that he'd ever heard of. And none of them answered. And finally, he called out to God the Father. And he said, if you're there, 
I'm not asking anything but just show me how to die. Show me how to die. But the Father came through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Actually, you know how he came? For as soon as he said that, there was a knock on the door. And a little Christian lady was there and said, God sent me to talk to you. And she led him to Jesus Christ. He was available. He's available to us. Whenever we cry out to him, he is there. And that's something that us earthly fathers need to learn. We need to learn to be available. I read about a little boy that his dad came home one night and the uh, uh, little boy came up, went up to his dad and he said, Dad, how much money do you make an hour? And the dad was tired. He wanted to just sit down and rest. He said, why in the world are you even asking me that? I don't. And he just and just jumped all over him for asking. It's none of your business and just jumped all over him. And uh, so uh, and he sent the little boy to his room. Then he sat down. And after he calmed down a bit, he started thinking. He said, you know, I overreacted. I don't know. I've just, I shouldn't have done that. So he went up to the little boy's room and he said, uh, son, are you still awake? He said, yes, daddy. He's going to come in. Yes, come on in. He said, well, son, I'm sorry I reacted the way I did a while ago. Uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I make $20 an hour. And the boy just looked kind of pained. And he said, Dad, can I borrow $10? And the guy got all upset again. And he said, what, you want to know how much money I made so you could know if you could borrow some money from me? He said, why in the world do you want to know that? And uh, wait a minute, I left part out. I left part out. The Before he said, they got to that point, he said, I made $20. And uh, he, he said, he said, here, he, he, he gave him $10. He said, here's the $10 you wanted, that you wanted to borrow. And, oh, no, no, let's see. Yeah, he asked if I could borrow 10 I, I, I got it. I'm going to have to start this all over again. I can't believe this. Okay, the boy found out how much the dad, the dad made. He asked if he looked pained. He asked if he could borrow $10. The guy got mad, sent him up to his room. Then he goes and he apologizes. He gives him the $10. And the boy takes out the t- takes his ten dollars, and he takes out some more money, and he starts counting it out. And the dad said, "You already had money, and you want to borrow more from me? What in the world do you want to do?" And the boy said, "I'd like to buy an hour of your time, man." He thought maybe if he paid his dad, he'd spend an hour with him. Some dads are that unavailable to their children. Some dads are dads that are there, but they're not there. They may be there physically, but they're not there. There was an attorney, a well-known attorney, uh, was having a discussion with some other guys one time about Father's Day presents, and he said, the best Father's Day present I ever got was one that my father gave me when I was eight years old. He gave me a card And in the card, it said, Son, I'm giving you one hour a day, 365 days of this year. 
whatever you want to do after dinner, I am yours from one hour. If you want to talk, if you want to ask questions, if you want to play, whatever you want, that hour of my time is yours. He said, you know what? My dad kept that promise that he made in that card. And you know what else? He renewed that card every year till I left home. It's because of him investing his time in me that I am who and what I am today. Our Heavenly Father is available. Some of us may not have had dads that were really available, but the closer we get to being like our Heavenly Father, the more available we will be. Our Heavenly Father is a loving Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He sheds his love abroad in our hearts. He lets us know that he loves us in ways that we can truly grasp and understand and know that he is there for us. He's a fair father. He causes the son and the, and the rain to go on to fall and to shine on the good and the evil. He's fair. He doesn't show partiality. He is a patient father. I'm going to go through these quickly. He is a forgiving father. He is a believing father. You know, a lot of you may not even have faith in yourselves right now, but he still has faith in you. Whenever uh, you feel like uh, you're just never going to amount to anything, he speaks to you and he says, I don't make no junk and I'm not through with you yet. He believes in you. Even if you don't believe in yourself, he's a hopeful father. He hopes that you will choose rightly. He's a helpful father. He will help you in your life when you ask him for your help. He is a faithful father. He will never desert you. He will never forsake you. In the passage that was read today, in the middle of it, what we read is uh, actually Paul is talking to Christians all the way up and down. He starts off by telling us to subject ourselves to each other, to entrust ourselves to each other, to give ourselves to each other. And then he goes through and enumerates the different ways that different people in different walks in different stations can do that. It says there starts off that passage, be therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for you. And so we see that we that in, in all relationships, there should be this sacrificial uh, aspect that we find in Jesus. It starts off talking about wives being subject to their husbands, and then it talks about husbands 
tells them they're to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he goes on and he talks about children obeying your parents. says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And we see from that that in the marriage, it's both the husband and the wife that are supervising the children. And children are commanded to obey both their parents. And uh, uh, it's said that there are, that Paul paints a picture where there are two different aspects to marriage going on here. First of all, there's the one where the husband and wife in marriage are uh, depicting what it, sh- what it their, their marriage should depict what it's like between Jesus and the church. The husband and the wife should be demonstrating the same sort of a loving, sacrificial, tender relationship that exists between Jesus and his church. And they should be making that real, first and foremost, to their children. And then it's a witness to the rest of the world when you live in your Christian marriage the way you're supposed to. But then... He hones in on fathers. Have you ever noticed this? Fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Why do you suppose he says that? Don't provoke your children to anger. Well, he gives the answer because he says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Anger puts up a wall. Anger is a defense mechanism that God gave us to keep from getting hurt more. And so whenever you're angry at someone, you're not going to be very teachable, are you? And here, and this is the second part of what it's supposed to be like. And a marriage is also a place where children are brought forth and then they're nurtured in the faith, they're nurtured in life and brought up to be disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the other aspect of a Christian marriage. And so uh, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Now then, there's some ways that are pretty obvious that you can provoke your children to anger. And I made a list of them. Let's see if I can find it here. Oh, yeah. Yelling. Yelling. Yell at people. If somebody yells at you, you get defensive. And you wind up getting mad. And let's see. And then see, there are things that we pass on in our families from generation to generation. And in some families, it's a tradition that you yell at your kids. Let's face it. Now, let me tell you this. Do the words change when you yell? Does raising your voice change the meaning of the words? It shouldn't. And uh, what I'm getting at is I have watched many times children learn. They learn to respond to what's going on around them. They're sharp. And they usually can tell when your face gets to a certain shade of purple and your, your voice gets at a certain decibel, that's when they better get up and start listening. 
But until you reach that alarm stage, I just go and do what I want to, you know. They don't they, they know when they can they, they know when it's coming, you know. They they're great at practicing what's called brinksmanship. They can take you right to the brink, but sometimes they're not real good at it and they go over, right? But the thing is, I discovered that I didn't have to raise my voice with my kids. Now, whenever, and, and the Lord let me see this. And this is one of those things I wanted to share with you more than anything else today, men and parents, is as you give yourself over to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and he guides you into all truth and he molds you and makes you more and more into his image, he will show you those rough edges that need to be smoothed off in your own life. Yelling can be one of those. And whenever you start changing, it disrupts everything. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but whenever I decide, well, I'm sorry, Lord, I just, I never thought about this. That's just, it's like I'm just being mean to these kids and I'm really trying, I'm supposed to be their parent and I'm supposed to be teaching them and training them. Don't have to raise my voice to do that. And so the next time that one of them did something wrong, I said, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Did it again. If you do that again, you're going to go to your room. I did it again. Go to your room. <gasps> what? What's wrong with dad? You know, because I didn't follow the pattern that I'd always followed in the past. And they learned how to play me. See, they learn how to play you. And so whenever you start changing, things change because all of a sudden they have to start listening to what you say. And once there wind up being consequences to not listening, they listen to you better all the way around. It was just wonderful. Whenever I started doing it the Lord's way. And there are other areas. Uh, the area of, uh, well, let's see. One area I remember, so he it just helps help you to see yourself. Sometimes you'll be, you may have heard the saying, if you're pointing a finger, one finger one way, there's always three pointing back at you. Well, he's real good at helping you see how you are the one that's really the problem instead of the one you're pointing the finger at. I remember one time whenever it just seemed like there was so much negativity in our house. And I prayed about it. Lord, there's just so much negativity here. And then I walked into the house one day and I heard myself. What's this doing? Guess who the real source of negativity was? Me. And so what the Lord did was he had me to not say anything negative to my family for three weeks. That was tough. I mean, it was really hard. I'd walk by a room and there'd be, and my daughter'd be in there with clothes laying, or with her, or with her uh, floor just carpeted with her clothes and one coat from uh, hanging up in the closet. And you look in there, what do you say? So and so, I really like the way you hung that coat in the closet. <laughs> and then you go on about your business, right? I mean, it was hard and a hard. And, and the thing is, I was also brought up where if things were done uh, right, 
You didn't say anything about it because that's the way it was supposed to be done. Now, if something was wrong, oh man, we got to tell somebody about this because we don't want this happening again. And uh, so uh, I made it up. I mean, I was always letting people know when something was wrong, but I never told people what was right. And the Lord just had me listen to myself one day again. He said, now ask yourself, what can people in your family learn about you from what they hear you saying? And my conclusion was, as I put my place myself in my children's place and my wife's place, was my conclusion would be, there's just no pleasing this guy. Because I never let him know when I was pleased. I just let him know when something was wrong. And so, again, this negativity thing came in there where I realized I needed to start letting people know what I liked. And you know what? That nearly broke my heart with what happened from that. Because when I started letting my kids know what I liked, kids want to please their parents. But I'd never given them any fodder to work with. And I would get the same good thing over and over and over again just because they didn't know what else pleased me, so they keep doing the same thing just to get some more attaboys. And that killed me when I realized how much of my life with my kids I'd spent like that. One time I was walking by a room and it was all messed up. I was, oh man, I'm up. And then the Lord just kind of spoke again. He said, tell me this, Joel. You know, one of these days, this room is going to be spotless. One of these days, everything's going to be in place. It'll be that way all day. And it'll be that way all night. Because those kids are going to be gone. And what will they have taken with them from this house when they go? And he showed me that showing some love was a lot better than chewing on somebody about a few clothes on the floor. So I just left that up to Sharon from then. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm joking. (laughs) But... uh, But anyway, the thing is, is that as we yield ourselves to him and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he will shape us and he will call things to attention that are in our lives that he's he's got a project for us. The Holy Spirit is is gentle and he only take he'll, he'll just give you one project at a time. And I'll tell you, it's enough. But one project, as you work on it, it will change your life and it will change so many people around you. I'll share one more story before I close about one of the things that he showed me. Uh, I discovered that a lot of times people, especially kids, if they make a mistake, they don't need you to even point it out to them. It's pretty obvious and you chewing on them about it uh, doesn't make it any better. Uh, and uh, the example I'll use is Joel, my son, was learning how to drive one time. And he needed to get in some driving hours. And I didn't realize how many hours he needed to get in when we took out that day. But we were in Jacksonville, Texas. And we were driving from Jacksonville out toward Rusk. 
I'm sitting in there. We're in his, we got him a big car. It was like a tank, man. It was, if he hit anything, it was going to demolish whatever it hit. But uh, anyway, we were driving along in this hoopty. And uh, we got up to, uh, we were getting pretty close to Rusk. And there's two lanes going toward Rusk. Two lanes going away from Rusk with a grassy uh, uh, area in the middle, some places where it was a little bit of an indentation, but uh, some places where there were trees. But uh, we're, So I said, Joel, when we get this next uh, crossover, uh, you need to take a left turn. Let's head back home. He said, yes, sir. We got up there and I noticed he wasn't slowing down. We got just almost even with the crossover and he goes, and my gosh, we did a donut through the crossover. And thank goodness no 18-wheelers or anybody else was coming as we went out on the other end of the oncoming traffic. And he wound up parked on the side of the road on the far side on the shoulder perfectly. And he's sitting there going the right direction. And he's just sitting there. He's holding on to the wheel. He's tense. His knuckles are white. And he's just waiting for the, what were you thinking? And I thought, and the Lord just gave me insight. This boy's beating himself up something terrible right now. He's not going to do anything like this ever again. He has learned a lesson and he taught it to himself. I don't need to underscore this at all. And so he's sitting there just waiting for me to let him have it. And so I said, Joel, he said, yes, sir. I said, whatever you do, don't ever do that with your mom in the car. (laughs) And you can just see his body just almost go limp. And then we went home. But there was no need. There was no need for me to beat up on him verbally. He learned his lesson. And that's one of those things that the Lord taught me in parenting. But you see, and I'll tell you more some other time, we don't all have perfect parents, but we all have parents that did the best they could. And we need to be grateful for the parents that we had. And thank goodness my children survived me as the Lord was rubbing rough rough edges off of me. And I just tell you all this to tell you this, that as even as, as old as you get, it's never too late to start being the parent that you know the Lord would have you be. No matter what your age and what stage you are in life, The Lord is still going to be showing you things about your relationship with your children that you can work on. And so I just leave you with that and let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a loving father and you are so patient with us. And we thank you that you even redeem our mistakes when we're willing to bring them to you. So many of us have messed up in so many ways as parents growing up, even as our kids were growing up. And so many of us are still uh, in a place where we have children that we 
are looking after. Guide us and direct us and help us, we pray, to entrust ourselves to you, our Heavenly Father, that we will be operating out of the tradition that you would have us operating out of if the traditions that we've learned from our parents weren't the best. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.